blessing to be here today. It's good to see you all here joining us for service this morning. I want to mention one thing before our scripture reading. Um, we have in our, excuse me, in our foyer area on the left side, or my left would be on your right, there's a um, question box. And we're going to be using that question box to uh, allow you to, to ask questions, uh, particularly came up in our Sunday school time, <clears throat> questions come up um, that you might have, Bible questions that you might have. So you can put your questions in that question box and uh, we will answer those questions on Sunday evening. So they're Sunday school related type questions or questions related to the Word of God or the message for the morning. You can put those in there and we will answer those questions on Sunday evening. So want to just inform you about that. <clears throat> Our scripture reading this morning is found in Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 12 through verse 17. So I invite you to turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible of your own, our ushers have Bibles available. And if you raise your hand, they'll bring one to you that you can use throughout our service this morning. Colossians 3 verses 12 through 17. Let's all stand in respect to the reading of God's holy word. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May God give us understanding of the portion of scripture that is read before us this morning and that we'll be preaching through. If you would, bow with me in a time of prayer. After our time of prayer, our choir will come for special music. Father, we thank you for waking us up this morning, allowing us to be here this day, giving our heart and mind to, to worship. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the grave, and his ascending into heaven that has secured our salvation. We thank you, Lord, for your work in our lives towards sanctification. We thank you, Lord, for the promise that you've given us of being in heaven with you and glorification. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done to secure and are doing to secure our salvation. We pray for each other, Lord, in this group of believers. Uh, we uh, meet together in this assembly called Sweet Communion. We pray for each one. There's some not here this morning. We pray for Jackie Holt this morning who's not feeling well. We pray for my dad who's not feeling well. We thank you for... Um, Others that uh, you have, uh, for those of us who have gone through different issues with our health, and we just pray that you would just continue to strengthen and to bless. 
Lord, we pray for um, Lawrence and Charmone and their family, Lord, in the death that they've experienced um, in their family. We pray to your grace to be upon them so that they might be able to uh, bring counsel and comfort to the family in these uh, trying times. It's very difficult, Lord, when a loved one is killed. And so we pray, Lord, that you would just allow them, give them that wisdom and uh, to know when to speak and what to say and, and to give them power behind their words and to give them a testimony uh, to their family during this time. So we pray for your grace in, in, that, in, in that case as well. We just pray now for your word as it's presented and preached, Lord, that you would um, touch our hearts through your word, minister to our lives, impact us so that we might live to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. thing like that, but my heart says, oh, why you love me so, I'll never know. That's worship. We wonder, we ponder over God's amazing love for us. We have a responsibility that goes with that love. And the section in Colossians that we're in, in chapter 3, starting at verse 12 through 17 today. This is part two of that same section. He said, I know you say in your mind, we read that last week, we went over that same section, but this is part two of it because there's so much there for, for us to get out. But he says that he says this, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. It's in verse 13. And he's talking about this life, this, this part of our, our salvation that we call sanctification, that growing um, closer to God, that being more and more like Christ in our lives. And we noticed several things uh, last week about this sanctification that it involves the body it involves a group of people it's not just something you do individually on your own it's something that God wants to shape you and he's going to shape you as you relate to other children of God other believers in the local church is where that's happening. Within that local church, amongst the local church, amongst the believers is where this process of sanctification, growth, development in our Christian character, that's where it happens. God means for it to happen there. So in this part two, Going back to verse 12, let's remind ourselves. He says, put on then. We've been reminded why we can, in fact, put these things on because we have been born from above. Because Christ has died on the cross for our sins, we have been raised 
with him as verse 1 of chapter 3 tells us because that salvation process has started with Christ we can now progress in the sanctification process and we progress in that process by doing this putting these things on the things he tells us to put on gives us a list in verse 12 compassionate hearts kindness humility meekness and patience as we pointed out last time they're all essential elements of body life they're all key to us getting along with each other you can't have that you can't have a right relationship with other people without these key components compassionate heart kindness humility meekness and patience they're all essential to that. And they all function in that. By the way, we, we noted this last week as well. We learned something that all of these things need a group to operate in. Therefore, we, we, it just reiterates the fact that this sanctification process isn't an individual process alone. It's not something that God is just working on you all by yourself. When he tells you, that he wants you to put on compassionate heart. We, we mentioned this last week. You don't need a compassionate heart if you live on an island all by yourself. If you live on top of a mountain exclusive to yourself, you don't need to deal with anybody else. You don't need compassion. You don't need kindness. You don't need humility. You don't need meekness. You don't even need patience necessarily, at least not patience with other people. So all these things are essential to that. It's interesting to me... Um, we exhibit these characteristics in certain situations that they're easier for us to, to, to live and in others, they're, they're, they're challenging for us. Uh, for instance, uh, when we, uh, mothers dealing with their small children or, 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 or care workers dealing with the sick or with the elderly, realize that they need each one of these qualities, compassionate heart. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. You don't think you need meekness dealing with children? Just change a few baby diapers. You realize meekness is very much needed. Patience and all of those things. And so when you deal with the very young or you deal with the sick or you deal with the elderly who have needs, we almost naturally understand that these things are needed. The problem, though, is when we deal with each other and we think that those things aren't needed anymore. We often think that, yeah, I need this when dealing with in the nursery or in the, in the elderly home, but when I deal with everybody else, I don't need this as much, and that's, that's a wrong thinking. That which is essential for babies and the elderly is important for all the people in all ages in between that these characteristics are very much needed. Now notice what he says, it's going to touch on this, what he says about a bit, verse 13, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Forbearance and forgiveness are something that are required. In fact, notice what he says about that is that they're not optional. They're not optional. He doesn't say, if you feel like forgiving or forbearing with someone, then, you know, give it your best shot. 
What he says is, in verse 13, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must, so you also must forgive. As the Lord has forgiven you is a condition, and then it says the imperative, so you also must forgive. Must forgive. Not you have the option of forgiving, or you can if you want to, if you feel like it. Uh, but he says you must forgive. And so it's, it's, it's absolutely required, it's not an option, for us to forgive. And he says, how do we forgive, or to what degree we forgive, as the Lord has forgiven us? The Lord forgave us when we didn't deserve forgiving. And he forgave us on account of what Christ has done on our behalf. We then must, we are required to, to forgive others who wrong us and come and, 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 and want to be uh, 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 reconciled, that we must forgive them. What he's talking about is the dynamic of, 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 of Christians working together. He's talking about brother to brother, sister to sister, those in Christ, how we ought to operate together. We are to remember the grace that was extended to us by God through Christ on the cross on our behalf that we did nothing for and that God has now extended to us and what we benefit from and then we are to extend that to each other. We're not asked to do that. We're commanded to do that. So this is key in every relationship, and in, in that relationship of us, we are linked together. We, there's a unity, there's a oneness, there's a team. We're talked about as a body, like a human body where Christ is the head. For that to function properly, forbearance and forgiveness has to be there. That's why I think a lot of folks who call themselves believers try to live outside of the church because they have trouble in the church and they don't like having trouble in the church. They seem to think that because believers are in the church, there should be perfection in the church and perfection means no trouble. Wrong. You should expect to have conflict and challenges and personality issues in the church, but you should expect to deal with them in the biblical sense, in the biblical way. Forbearance and forgiveness are absolutely necessary then as we integrate, as we work together. We must have those. So he says, when you come up against a conflict, he says here, if one has a complaint against another, when the challenges come, when we interact in such a way that one is hurt or one treats another in a wrong way, then we have to have these things operating. And so it's, 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 it's kind of interesting and insightful that when God talks about the church working together, he doesn't assume that there won't be issues. In fact, he almost tells us that there are going to be some. In every human relationship, you're going to have some tension 
and some issues. He tells us how to deal with that and that the key is Christ himself. Verse 14. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I asked a few questions to myself. How can you put on love? When I counsel people, I often get this thought, well, you're telling me to put on something. In other words, I feel like I'm acting. I feel like it's not genuine. I feel like I have to do something that I don't really want to do. And how, how do I come to grips with that? How do I put on how can I put on and, and, and how do I put on love? What, what's the driving force? What's the motivation for me doing this? What's the basis of me acting this way? Well, we ought to put on love and we can put on love because of verse 12 as we start these. He says, on then as, cho as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. He says we can put these things on, first of all, because we're God's chosen ones. We're holy and we're beloved. In other words, God has saved us and called us into his family and he has changed our hearts. We're not holy and he has bestowed his love on us. Because he has done this, we can, in fact, love, and we can practice love. So because we are chosen, because we are beloved, we can love. We choose to love because we are chosen and because we are loved. So, in other words, this, this can't operate this way outside of Christ. We need Christ to function this way. You can't just take these principles and put them into practice apart from Christ, who's the basis for these principles. Because we ha have our sins forgiven, and Christ has died and paid for my sin on the cross, I am now chosen by God. I am beloved by him. I am holy. I can therefore act this way. He is the basis for this right conduct. It's interesting when people try to take biblical principles and they, 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 they make sense and to try to use them to, to help in a, in a uh, maybe in a company, help the company function properly, uh, employee relationships and so forth, and uh, even in their family relationships. Yes, they work in all of those things. We just can't forget the basis of it. The basis of it is Christ himself. Not just a principle that work in some secret or, or mystical or magical way by themselves. The basis of this is Christ himself. And in, in this whole passage, he's saying, look, the basis for our salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. The basis for our sanctification is the Lord Jesus Christ. The basis for our glorification is the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is all in all. Christ is here. Christ is, is the force the motivating force. He is the person that is key in all of these things. We remember that. I also want to remind us 
of what I call body language in this passage. Body language. Language about the body, that connection that we have to each other and how that's brought forth in this passage. We pointed that out last time. So let's just look at, at, at a few other things there. In verse 13, he says, bearing with one another, the word one another. Again, in verse 13, forgiving each other, the each other it, it points to the body and how we function together. Verse 14, love. Another word in verse 14, perfect harmony. Harmony talks about how things, how they function together. Not independent of one another, but how they function together. Perfect harmony, he speaks of. Verse 15, he says, to which you were called in one body. A unity and a working together. One speaks of the unity. Body speaks how it functions all together. And, and it has to function as a unit to do that. And so he's talking about our, this body language. One body. Verse 16, teaching and admonishing one another. is a responsibility that we have to interact with each other in such a way that brings about uh, each other's sanctification. So that body language is important for us to, 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 to note here. Verse 15, he says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart, in your hearts to God. Look at those two verses for just a moment. It starts off with, with, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He says, let, let the peace of Christ rule. Let's just break down that, that, that phrase. He's saying, let peace rule. Let peace rule. Well, whose peace? The peace of Christ. The peace that Christ brings. The peace that is identified with Christ. The, pre, the peace that comes only from knowing and being connected with and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a certain peace that comes from our relationship with Christ. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, I want to turn there and have you look there with me. Philippians 4, verse 5, just one book previous to Colossians, says this. Start at verse 6. This do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, it says, it surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. This peace that comes from God, that comes from a relationship that we have when we have this relationship with God, we get this, this peace. It works in us. It guards our mind. Notice back in Colossians, he said, let this peace rule. It's interesting it's stated that way. You don't have to make it. You don't have to force it. He says, let it. Let it rule. Christ wants to rule. He has 
he has a, 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 a peace that he's given you, and he wants you to allow it to happen. Stop getting in the way kind of, kind of is another way of saying. Stop getting in the way of God's peace operating. Stop getting in the way of Christ's peace dominating your life. So he says, let it rule. He also says in verse 16 the same way, let the word of Christ dwell in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Allow it to live in you and rule in you. And then he qualifies that by saying, let it dwell in you richly. How do these things happen? How does Christ's peace and his word dwell or live or rule in our lives or in our hearts. He, he says that in his passage. He gives the answer to that, and that's key. So let's take a look at that. The very practical things. In verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. How do we let this peace, how do we let the word of God live and dwell and dominate and rule our lives? He says you're going to do it this way. Teaching and admonishing one another. Understand the point is as we function together, there's a purpose that God has for us. Teaching and admonishing. Teaching and admonishing. This is where spiritual growth happens. See, a lot of times we, we, we think that it's, it's just, I'm going to do this on my own. No, he says, teaching and admonishing one another. Now, the Word of God has a function in that. In fact, he says in verse 16 that you should let the Word of Christ dwell in you this way. This is part of the process for letting Christ's Word or the Word of God live in you and to let it live in you in a rich way. I like that word, richly. It kind of reminds me of how I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know. I take two pieces of bread and I put that jelly on there. And when I put the peanut butter on there, I dip that knife in that peanut butter real good. And that knife is kind of heavy, right? And you spread it on that bread and it's thick. It, it's rich. It's richly. It's, it's lavishly laid on. It's not, it's not skimpy. It's not spread real thin. It's laid on there real good. Let the word of God dwell in you that way, in a rich and a lavish and a full way. So every bite that's taken, you taste. Every sample a person gets of you, every interaction they have with you, they get a taste of the rich peanut butter that's there. Because you laid it on thick. Now, how did you do that? Yes, you have to study God's Word. And reading God's Word is the first part of studying it. So it's important that we read. It's important that we study. He says teaching one another. It's important that we teach. You know the most important principle of teaching is being an example. 
The most basic thing. See, I can tell you a lot of things to do, but when I show you, you learn the best, the quickest, and you get a fuller uh, 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 idea of what's called for. We had choir rehearsal yesterday and asked a few men to stay around and help uh, do some work around the church. We had to move some boxes around. And, and I said, hey, guys, we need to move these boxes over here from here to here. And they started doing it. And I noticed that they were kind of like just kind of standing around waiting to do what they do. And I got in and said, look, you just grab the box like this and you slide it to the next person. And he grabs it and he slides. And as we start doing that, oh, okay, he wants us to actually get busy. So why are y'all going so slow? Oh, I didn't know you wanted us to work. Yeah, let me show you how. So I didn't just tell, I showed them how to do it. Showing is a part of teaching. We need to show each other how to live and how to walk this Christian walk. So teaching the word of God is really getting with each other and, 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 and showing, being an example in front of each other. So he's saying, this is how the word of God is going to dwell with you. As you interact with one another and you live in front of each other, the principles that God has for you, you're going to show. You know, I, I can teach you what forgiveness is, but I can show you even better when I interact with you that I don't hold a grudge and that the next time I see you, I'm welcoming you and interacting with you in a way that, hey, whatever has been done in the past is in the past and today is a new day and we continue on from that. Why do I do that? Because as Christ has forgave me, he, he you know, we, we, we wrestle with the Psalm says, he, he, uh, 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 he remembers our sins no more. We know that, that God doesn't, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have what we call, we used to call old timer's disease. <laughs> he hasn't forgotten what we did. It means that he doesn't hold them against us anymore. The record is not against us anymore. It's been settled. He has placed those sins on the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been forgiven. We've been cleared of the debt. We need to practice that with each other. We need to show that towards each other. We need to teach God's word in a very practical way, in a practical sense. And so he... He, he tells us that. <clears throat> What's crucial here is that he's saying if we're going to walk in the way that God wants us to walk, if, if we're going to be sanctified, to be more and more like Christ, then we need to purposely control what we think and how we think. Notice how he says that. He says, verse 15, let peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You know, the picture I get of that is, is, is if somebody had a wrong that's been committed, and, 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 and you know, we use this term, you know, he says, I just, I just wanted to break out on that person. I just wanted to let loose. I just, I just wanted to, to erupt on, on that person. 
I got so mad, I just, I just wanted to have it out. Can you imagine somebody said, wait, wait a minute, God, hey, you know, kind of grabbing them by the hand and said, no, no, calm down, let peace rule. <laughs> calm down and, and let peace rule. In other words, don't get, don't run away with your emotion that, 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 that's high right now. You're charged. You think you've been wronged and, and, and you want to let go. Calm down and let, let peace rule. What you're trying to do is change that person's mindset. They're focusing on the wrong that's been committed, and they're focusing on how they can get back at that person. And what you want to do is change their mindset to, to break that concentration they have and the focus that they have on, on, on getting back and the intent they have on getting back. And you have to break that in some type of way. He says, here's how you do it. You remind them. You remind them of a few things. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. To indeed you were called, to which, excuse me, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What you want to do is change their thinking. He gives us one of the most practical ways of changing our own thinking. He says this, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. One of the most basic ways to change our mindset is to change our thinking is what we put in our mind. So you can do that with songs. You can do that through a song. You can through that, do that through what you read in Psalms, the Word of God. The Word of God spoken in, 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 a, in a beautiful way that enters our mind and and, and invites us to, to think, to entertain these types of thoughts. So he says, let peace rule this way by controlling what you dwell on. You know, what we think on, what we dwell on, what we meditate on is absolutely crucial. How we think and what we think affects how we feel and what we do. So how do we impact and how do we change our thinking? I think we do two things. We monitor and guard our calorie intake and our energy expense. We monitor and guard our calorie intake and our energy expense. I'll say it that way because I think that's, that's, that's a good way of, of looking at it. Um, how do we control, in, in the physical sense, in, in, my, in our human bodies, we want to live in a healthy way. I want to get to a, a, a healthy weight. I need to watch what I eat, right? And how I use my energy, how I exercise. I need to watch the calories I take in and the exercise that I put out. That's going to, to, to have a lot to do with, with whether my body is functioning in a healthy way. Spiritually, it, it's that same way. I need to watch what I take in and how I exercise or how I expend energy. Now, verse 16 talks about what we take in. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He says, do everything you can to take in God's word. Use the technology today. Use the things that helps your mind focus on things, help your mind remember things, helps your mind dwell on things. You know what? When I want to be mad at somebody, what do I do? I think about the wrong they did me. And I don't just think about it. I dwell on it. I go, I don't believe she did that. You know what she did? She actually had the nerve to come up here and do that. So what am I doing? I'm thinking on it. I'm rehearsing it over and over, and it intensifies the more and more I rehearse it. And I don't just keep it to myself. Now I'm telling somebody else, and I'm expressing that. Now, I don't actually act like that. I, I got that from watching other people. <laughs> I, I, I look in my backyard, and I see people walking down the street, and you know what I see them? They're on their cell phones. And they talking so loud I can hear them inside my house. And what are they doing? They're seething. They're sulking. They are blowing up inside. They are rehearsing what has happened to them over and over and over again. That's what they're doing. They're keeping that fresh on their mind. What do we need to do? The same thing with the Word of God. We need to take it in, and we need to let it settle on our minds. We need to think it. You know what? God chose me. That actually means that he did it without my initiative. We need to reflect on it. We need to speak it out to somebody else. Sometimes we need to write it down and enumerate it. <laughs> you know what? Not only does that mean this, it means this, 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 and this. We need to reflect. We need to, we need to, keep, we need to keep it on our mind. Then, you know, we sing about it. We rap about it. We, 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 we make poems about it. We write plays about it. We watch movies about it. That's why some movies I can't watch, they keep rehearsing the same old nonsense that I don't want to keep thinking about again and again and again and again. But if there's something that you need to rehearse, you do it that way. He says singing songs, singing songs and making melody in your heart. I actually used that phrase in, in another parallel passage. Admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. So we can affect, we can impact what we think about by what we turn on in our mind. So your mind is kind of like a computer screen on the inside. And, and what are you pulling up? You know? Where are you going to on that website? What, what are you dragging through? What videos are you playing in your mind? What are you dwelling on? What are you thinking on? What are you sulking about? You realize that you can't read a person's Bible. What you do is you look at their body, and you look at their, their posture, you look at their facial expression, and you can usually figure out what's going on up here. I'm excited. I'm mad. I'm bored. I'm tired. 
whatever it is you can see that's expressed outwardly. So he's saying, let the word of God dwell in you. Take God's word in. Take it in in every way that you can. Meditate on it for yourself. Read about it for yourself. Listen to it. So what do you listen to? Uh, 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 what, what, what's in your music that you, you listen to? What are you getting? What's the message that's ringing true to you there? You know, some of us think of music as just being innocent in, in so many ways, but you need to think about what message is coming through. I realize that I, I, I you know, play a musical instrument, so I like a lot of songs, and, and uh, I'm listening to a love song, and say, wow, that has a nice tune to it. When I look about, listen to the words, it's about a man cheating on, on, on his wife. It's about a man, uh, you know, talking all this nonsense. I was like, wow, that, the music doesn't always match the words, and I got to cut those apart sometimes. What are you entertaining in your mind? And how is it impacting you? In what ways are you using the Word of God to, to shape your thoughts? Certainly it's the reading of God's Word. It's the meditating on God's Word. But it's also our interaction with each other. How are we, how are we reminding each other of the truths of God's Word in healthy ways in each other's lives? So he says this. Let the peace rule. Let the peace of Christ rule, that the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then there's another key word that teaches us something about our thinking, and it's the phrase or the word thankful or thanks. In verse 15, it's noted. Kind of adds it to the end. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. In verse 16, it comes up again. Again at the end, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts. With thankfulness in your hearts. And then again at, at verse 17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we see then, in some way, thankfulness is key to a proper mindset of Christ ruling in our heart, of the Word of God having its rightful place in our heart. Thankfulness. Now notice he talks about thankfulness, and in the second uh, time he mentions it, in verse, into verse 16, he says, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Thankfulness is something that is internal, and it's something that, that we need to recognize is rightly directed to God. I'm thankful. Well, I'm thankful to who? It has to be to God. I am thankful to God. And so what he's saying is part of this keeping this proper mindset is, is to remember and rehearse and then be thankful for what God has done and what God is doing. As believers, that shouldn't be hard for us to do. We need to remind ourselves of this work that God is doing in our lives, this work of salvation, this work of sanctification, 
What are you thankful for? You need to rehearse that in your mind. It's a shame that we come sometimes to the testimony time and, and we have to work to find what we're thankful for. I understand. We're so filled with things that aren't right in our lives and what we need to do to make things right that we don't always naturally thank. But thankfulness is a part of this process that God wants us to intentionally do because it raises our thinking to a proper level. It's hard to be thankful and then complain. Did you know that? It's actually hard to be thankful and then complain. Very difficult to do that. And so he's saying, remind yourselves of the right things in your life that you have to be thankful for. And when I begin to do that, I, I realize that no matter what state or no matter what's happening to me in this life, when I'm thankful for what God has done and what he is doing and what he's going to do, a couple things happen. One, I have a lot to reflect on. And it changes my mindset and my perspective over what's happening right now. Begin to thank God for what he has done for me in the past. Begin to thank God for what, what he's doing right now. Begin to thank God for what he's going to do in the future. We talked about those three aspects of our salvation. Our salvation is that we've been forgiven of past sin. Our sanctification, that process now that the Holy Spirit is working right now to, to form us and to shape us. He's doing something right now in our lives. We can thank him for the Holy Spirit operating in our lives keeping us from sin, shielding us, protecting us. We can thank him for his work of glorification where we know he is going to, he's coming and he's going to take us out of this world and take us eternally to be with him. You see, you can't focus on those things and then complain. It's, it's almost impossible. So he says, Get that right mindset. Now, where are you going to get that mindset from? Just to backtrack a little bit, you're not going to get that from listening to country music. You're not going to get that listening to street rap. You're going to get that from a focus that comes from God's word. Now, why do you need that focus? It's because you're not going to always hear God's word 24-7 like you're hearing it now. You're going to go to a job where you can't hear it, right? You're going to go somewhere where, where it's, it's out of your mind, but you need to interject. You need to bring it back in your mind, and you need to reflect. If I wasn't a Christian, I don't know how my mind would be shaped right now. I can only imagine when I see other people, and I realize I'd be thinking those same hurtful, foolish thoughts, and I'd have no hope. But because of what Christ has done for me and what's assured in his word, you know, it's the word of God that really settles me. It, it helps me understand what's true and what's significant. See, the world thinks they know what's true because they think they see what's happening. What they don't understand is what's significant. I 
understand the crime rate in Milwaukee. I understand the poverty rate. I, I, I understand the logistics of, of my own uh, financial situation or my own health situation. I understand all of that. So you can say in, in ways those things are true. But, but what I understand is the real reality of God and what he's doing. Those things are the unseen truths that God's word assures me. It's some things that God's word assured me that no reality on present earth can impact. We looked at one, that I'm beloved. I am loved of God. I am chosen by God. I am secure in my salvation past present and future. Nothing in this world and this life can impact and settle or, or unsettle that or disturb that in any way. So, I, so when I choose to reflect on those things, I get a proper mind, mindset and a proper perspective of life. You can read that Philippians 4 passage again. In fact, I want to turn there. He says this, it's interesting. He starts off in verse 4, Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. He says, in other words, the realities of your life are, 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 are vastly different because of your perspective of who God is and what he's done. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, is there any, anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. So our sanctification involves us keeping our mindset, keeping our minds centered and fo focused on the right things. Beginning of this chapter, he says, if you've been risen with Christ, seek the things that are above. Have a mindset that focuses on spiritual and eternal things. In, in other words, let the word of God Come down into your mind and set a proper mindset for you. That's not to say you don't understand and acknowledge the realities that we live in. You know, you got to eat today. You know, you, you need to get paid so you can take care of your rent. You know, you need to buy food. You know, your, your, your kids need to eat. You, you know all of those realities, but you acknowledge the greater reality that's operating over all that. And that's this. If none of those things happen the way you want to, you're still in God's hands. And you're still secure in him. If everything else failed, you're in God's hands and secure in him. You're loved by him and cared for and provided by him. That's a reality that's worth focusing on. That's what allows us to let the peace of Christ dwell in us. So he's teaching us how important it is if we're going to live godly lives, we're going to grow in our sanctification, that we have a proper thought pattern in our lives. 
be thankful, he says. This is something that we need to practice. This is something that we need to be reminded of continually. Continually reading the Word of God helps me in that mindset. Interacting with other believers helps me get and keep a proper mindset. <laughs> I remember when I was training my dog that, you know, dogs can, can get, they can get stuck on a mindset. So if they see a squirrel, and you're trying to teach them how to sit, they ain't interested in learning to sit, to heal, to, 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 to stand, to walk, to do anything that right. All they see is squirrel, 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 right? That's all they see. And so you have to snap them out of that mindset. You, you do something to get their attention. And once you got their attention, now you re-instruct them and get them along the path of, of what you want them to think. And it's, a, it's, it's much the same with us. The things of this life kind of attract us and, and soak up our attention. And, and Christ wants to snap us and say, wait a minute, I know that's true. But you've got to focus on this. Because you have a right mindset for, for what you need to, so how you, uh, for what you need to, to live and how you need to function. You need that proper mindset. You know, some of us, um, all of us actually, need each other to remind us when we're going out of those proper mindsets. When we become too focused on something else outside of Christ. Somebody needs to draw us back and pull us back and say, hey, brother, your thinking, your focus, your meditation is not where it should be. Here's how you ought to refocus that. Songs help us with that. The Word of God helps us with that. In fact, that's what all the songs should be is the Word of God repeated and us reminding us of God's truth. We speak to each other in those ways to remind, to help reset and refocus proper mindset. May God guide you and recognize, help you recognize that you need to be doing that with others and you need to receive that from others to, to keep each other in that proper mindset. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that Christ is the center of our sanctification and so our minds need to be focused on him. We need to do those things that would Help center our thinking and our minds as we sing, as we meditate, as we interact with each other. We need to be reminded of your truth, your truth, and not the things that the, the world or this world system wants us to, to focus on. Help us to do that more and more with each other, with ourselves, in healthy ways. And help us to put to practice this practice of being thankful, reminding ourselves of what you have done, what you are doing right now, what you have promised to do so that we can be thankful, express that praise and thanks. That also changes our mindset and our thinking. So help us to put these things into practice. In Jesus' name we pray.